Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Connecting to the big show. In Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 Good morning to you. It's Gareth O'Callaghan here for PJ, who's uh, taken the day off and he's uh, gone about some medical things after his um, his uh, his dinner experiment some weeks back. But he's in good hands this morning. He's um, he's with the staff there at CUH and uh, I think South Infirmary as well. But he'll be back tomorrow morning. It's lovely to be with you again. Little on the grey side, but it's going to be a dry day and quite a mild day looking out across the city. Beautiful Christmas tree lights. Uh, on Patrick Street and um, we'll talk more about it actually no official switching on of the Christmas tree lights this year why? well we'll find out later but Oliver Plunkett Street looking smashing at about 7 o'clock this morning as uh, I was coming in from the bus and walking across town nice to have your company 083 396 96 96 is uh, our number if you'd like to get involved for your text messages and for your whatsapp messages and voice notes now the big news breaking overnight this morning uh, Israel's cabinet approves a ceasefire deal with Hamas uh, that will bring a temporary halt to this devastating war that has stretched on for more than six weeks now uh, according to the news, it came through around about 5.30 this morning. Hamas will release dozens of hostages being held in the Gaza Strip in exchange for Palestinians in Israeli prisons. And this was what we were really hoping it would come to. And uh, all uh, fingers crossed and prayers being said that um, among those hostages being released by Hamas will be young Irish eight-year-old Emily Hand. So uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll hear more good news as the day goes on. Under the deal, Hamas is to free 50 of the roughly 240 hostages it's holding in the Gaza Strip over a four-day period. The Israeli government said today it said it would extend the lull by an additional day for every 10 hostages released. So it's kind of a drip-feed effect that Israel is keeping an eye on what Hamas does, they're giving them extra time in terms of a ceasefire for more hostages that are released on a daily basis. 
The government said the first hostages to be released will be women and children and a statement released by Qatar which mediates with Hamas. Uh, this morning said the deal includes, quote, the release of a number of Palestinian women and children detained in Israeli prisons. The number of those released will be increased in later stages of implementing the agreement. So maybe things are improving, although uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, said overnight that uh, it, this is just a temporary ceasefire uh, and any deal with Hamas. Uh, will determine how long the ceasefire continues for, but uh, no one seems to know actually what's what's ahead. Anyway, it's great news. It's really, really good news. A four-day ceasefire deal with Hamas that includes the release of hostages and hopefully more news on that a little later. Uh, big news locally. Uh, the Examiner's front page story this morning. Insurance companies leaving flooded businesses in limbo. And uh, it, it's, it's based, of course, around Middleton and Storm Babette which the town and the surrounding area is still dealing with. Uh, The damage caused by up to 30 businesses in Middleton are in limbo as insurance companies are, quote, treating them with absolute disdain, unquote, by stalling payouts on policies following the damage caused by the storm. Just over a month has passed since the catastrophic flooding hit the town after a month, a month's worth of rain fell in less than 24 hours. And while many of the town's businesses have reopened and they're trading again, they're still counting the cost of the clean-up and the damaged and lost stock. I couldn't get over... The, the, uh, one of the specifications in a lot of insurance claims, as you know, is that you've got to pay the excess before your claim is evaluated. So if there's an excess for 400 or 500... But in, in these cases, uh, some have been told that their policies did not actually cover flood damage while others have been told that they must pay sums ranging from 10,000 to 40,000 as part of the excess before their claims will even be evaluated. Excess is the first part of a claim that must be paid by the policyholder while the insurance company pays out the balance. And uh, local TDs David Stanton and James O'Connor have called on insurance companies to resolve the issue. Uh, James O'Connor has raised the matter with Finance Minister Michael McGrath, who in turn raised it with Enterprise Minister Simon Coveney, who we spoke to here a couple of weeks back, and his department is heading up the the emergency flooding response scheme. So we'll have a look at that uh, again a little later this morning. And also, uh, for those of you in the city centre... Please be very careful if you're a pedestrian or you're a cyclist on McCurtain Street. For the first time in decades, two-way traffic has returned to McCurtain Street in Cork City Centre. Traffic management barriers that were put in place for the multi-million euro revitalisation project came down yesterday morning. And vehicular traffic can now travel in both directions on the street for the first time since February the 2nd, 1968. I took the liberty actually there at 7 o'clock this morning just to walk up the middle of the street, not realising that there was actually a truck coming around the corner towards me. So, however, yeah, we're always learning. Anyway, that's a, a trial run occurred yesterday morning. A spokesperson for the Cork City Council uh, told the Irish Examiner. So, um, road looks well. Now, whether the uh, two-way traffic will ease the congestion and how things remains to be seen. 083 396 is uh, our text number this morning. We'd love to hear from you if you have comments or if you'd like to get involved in the show uh, between now and 12 o'clock. Earlier this week, John Paul Carey was jailed for a horrendous chemical attack on Ballyfehan man Francis Costello. And Francis uh, joins me on the line now. 
take me back to the actual moments before the attack and tell me what what happened. Um, I suppose, look, I was I was taken at home um, in my own front room with my two brothers, you know, and um, we were watching the dance and um, the doorbell went um, and I went to open the doorbell or the front door and... Um, and my surprise, uh, standing there in front of me. Um, and just in a matter of seconds, I was in severe pain. Um, a lot of burning in my face, my eyes and my head. And as I lay on the ground, he began to assault me. Um, I don't like kind of remember too much about it after the chemical was thrown in my face. But I do remember him, like, the salt to me straight after. And um, it continued for a couple of seconds, and um, my brothers came out then to see what was going on, and um, I heard one of my other brothers screaming in pain. Um, I knew no more, you know, and... The paramedics and the fire service were on the scene and treating us in our own front garden. Um, it was just chaotic. Um, I couldn't really see, but I knew there was a lot happening around me. Um, you know, the fire service were treating us first, you know, and spraying cooling spray on our heads every couple of seconds. And... Um, and then we had to be hosed down in our underwear um, to make sure there was no chemical left in our body before we got into the ambulance. Um, so they had to take your clothes off in the garden, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I suppose while I was in severe pain, like in, I didn't know what was happening around me, but I knew there was a lot going on. I just shouted out his name and his address you know, and said, go up and get him now. Um, and I just remember him being taken away in the ambulance and being rushed to COH. Um, but we were made comfortable for the night. Um, we were treated there and we were transferred to the South Infirmary Victoria Hospital level South, the ophthalmology ward, um, the following morning, the Saturday morning, and um, we were treated there and you know, um, my brother was in for a week and I was in for two weeks. Um, it was just a very, like, <clears throat> it was like an out-of-body experience, really. Like, you know, it was very traumatic and I knew I was in big trouble because I had no vision in my left eye, like, you know. Um, and when I stood on my feet in the sun for me the following day and I looked in the mirror, I'd just seen a very sick eye. You know, and a lot of burns to my head and face, you know, and it was just like... Were you, were you able to see perfectly with your right eye? Um, not not at that time, but I, I was able to see, but I didn't have very great vision in it, you know. Um, my eyes were treated for a long time with drops and stuff, you know, Um for more uh, the following month really um, but you know while I was there I suppose 
you know, I got great care, like, you know, from the nurses in the ophthalmology ward, like, and um, the counsellor in the hospital, and, um, you know, they were putting cream on my face on the hour, every hour for two weeks, you know, polysporin cream, and, you know, I don't believe my face would have healed to what it is today, only for the care that I got there, because I couldn't even look in the mirror, you know. Um, I'd be a person to be always cleanly shaved, <laughs> I couldn't even shave, like, you know, I just couldn't look in the mirror that long, like, you know, and, you know, the nurses could come in and take my abs, and I just break down crying, and I was just, like, deflated, really, like, I, I just, I just didn't know how I was going to get through it, like, or, you know, pick myself up from it, like, you know, and, um, I suppose my, my consultant, Miss Taylor Moran, took over my case, you know, and, um, because I was under one doctor, I think it was Dr. Patrice at the time, and I think one of them studied the back of the eye, and the other studies the front of the eye, and Michelle Lamont took over my my case, and um, I was there for two weeks, and I suppose she'd done everything she could, like, you know, to actually shave my eye in the following months, you know, a lot yeah. of procedures and um, surgeries and... You know, but unfortunately, you know, avail, like, you know, I lost my last October, I had to be removed, you know. Um, but even though I had a small bit of hope, I, like, I, I, I kind of guessed that my eye would have been gone anyway because it was so sick, but when it was confirmed late in the summer, that there was no more to do, like, you know, there was a huge grieving process and that, like, you know. And uh, you've also been told that the eye socket is so badly damaged that a prosthetic eye might not be possible. Yeah, that's correct. Um, I was I was in Dublin there um, only two or three weeks ago to see a consultant up there because Norman and Cox specialise in the socket, you know, so I went up to see Dr. Kane um, in the INL hospital three weeks ago and um, she's going to have a go at it like, like because she said that, like, there was so much chemical and tissue damage done, or so much t- tissue and scarring done from the chemical to the socket that there's no room for an implant. But they're going to give it a go, and they'll have to take tissue from the back of my mole and stitch it to my eye socket, and um, they see will it hold, and um, will it 50-50, will it work, you know, but they're going to give it a go anyway in the new year, you know. But I suppose it's massive for my confidence as well, you yeah. know. Yeah. How how are you feeling emotionally and mentally at the moment? Um, to be honest with you, like, you know, like, I'm kind of like, not much has changed in me from the day before he was sentenced, do you understand? Mm. Like, like I, I've been through my darkest days in the last 20 months, like, you know, um, Obviously losing my job and, you know, an inpatient or no patient in the hospital every week. And then my health deteriorated through, I believe, a lot of stress and depression. And I developed a hernia problem last year and I had to get a hernia operation in December. And then my gallbladder acted up and I got that removed in February. And, and like, I've been through the middle, really, like, but, you know, through a lot of mentoring and, you know, counselling, 
you know, for the last six months, really. I've been counseling on a weekly basis for the last six months, and with a psychotherapist, you know, that's been very helpful to me, like, and, and I suppose, you know, I'm just blessed with the network of neighbours and family and friends that I have in my life, you know, that kind of, you know, pick me up, like, when I'm feeling down, you know, and mm. I just feel like that, like, you know, I suppose for the first time in my life, I feel a bit of hope, you know, um, you know, just closure around the legal aspect of the case now, and you know, I still have a lot to do in, the per- in my personal journey, like in medical treatments and stuff like that, you know. But I'm I, I blessed with the support that I have around me, you know. Is there any relief knowing that he's been jailed for ten years? Um, like to be honest with you, like no matter how long he got was never going to be long enough for me and like nothing has changed in my life my life was changed permanently and my family's lives were changed and like it like I, I, I actually like it has no impact on me at all it has no bearing on my life like you know um, he got 10 years he got 6 months suspended and maybe mm. almost 6 years like you know uh, it's worth just reminding listeners that Kerry has 99 previous convictions, including convictions for armed robbery, drug possession and assault. I'm, I'm going to give the GoFundMe page a mention, uh, but I, I, I just want to pass on my best wishes to you, Francis, because um, it's, it's unimaginable what's after happening to you. And I'm, I'm, I know there's a very long road ahead, but um, hopefully you'll get more hopeful and, and, and stronger with each day. Yeah, you know, I suppose, look, I'm, look, I'm in a position today, I suppose, and like, like me giving my story, like I hope I empower someone else out there, like that, you know, I was suffering or was a victim of a sick attack like that, and that, like, you know, like, where there's a will, there's a way, and with the life support around you, like, you know, like that, like you, you, you can get through it, like, you know, um, you know, idea at a time, you know, and, um, I just hope, like, that, you know, I can help others with my own story, like, going forward, you know. Well, I wish you well in in the ongoing recovery, Francis, and uh, thanks so much for talking to us this morning. No problem, Gareth. No problem. 99, 99 previous convictions, uh, including convictions for armed robbery, drug possession and assault. He was questioned by Gardaí immediately after the attack in a bid to determine precisely what substance he had thrown at Francis Costello and his two brothers. And Judge James McCourt was told that Kerry offered no assistance to officers desperately trying to determine the substance, but then asked them if he was still a handsome man. Extraordinary. 99 previous convictions. Now, there is a, a GoFundMe page there for Francis Costello if you would like to check it out and perhaps contribute, considering all he has been through and uh, more... I suppose, but poignantly, what he has got to go through, and I'm sure no one's even aware of what that will hold. Uh, if you search for raising money for victim of acid attack, okay? That's raising money for victim of acid attack in the GoFundMe search box. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focus solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96FM. Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The weekend. On Cork's 96 FM. 
Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity gossip. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors for the Volkswagen ID Buzz. Fully electric, fully connected and full of new ideas. NewmarketVolkswagen.ie On Cork's 96FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96FM.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. PJ, away for the day. He'll be back tomorrow. It's Gareth O'Callaghan with you. 0833 96 96 96. The effect of crime and antisocial behaviour on our shops was highlighted on primetime in recent months. Have things improved? Sadly, not so on Paul Street. Let's talk to Noelle O'Donoghue, who runs the lovely Sweetheart Sweet Shop. Hi, Noelle. Hi, Gareth. How are you? Very, very well, thank you. Um, it's an area I love. I love just browsing around it, and there's some gorgeous little coffee shops in there. And then, of course, there's your own beautiful sweet shop. Um, but you're saying that things are a bit grim on the streets outside. Yeah, first of all, I just would like to give my condolences to that poor man and his brother. It's, that's just horrific. Mm. And um, I really feel as if there's there are young people on the streets now that are not being apprehended. And uh, this is the next problem that's going to be down the road. I mean, to think of that man, that there was 99 convictions, you know, against the person yeah. who injured him, you know, so... Including armed robbery. Oh, God. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, it's fair to say, and, and um, many of the judges will agree, and, and certainly m- many of the, the, the legal counsel will agree as well, that the, the whole legal system, the, the whole law as such, criminal law, has got to be completely, you know, thrown out and, and reinvented and brought up to modern day standards. Many of, the, many of the laws that they fall back on and use in court go back to 17 and 1800s. You know, it, yeah. it's extraordinary. It really is. Yeah, I mean, to see any of the footage at the moment on, you know, on any social media, really, um, is is just is terrifying. And I think what's more alarming is that, you know, it, that it's not an offence just to have a, a phone in a guard's face all the time while he's trying to do his job. I just think that's just incredible. I saw somebody the other, the other day in Dublin kicking in um, the window of a shop and then he was being apprehended afterwards by the guards. And there were all these guys around with cameras in, you know, in the guard's face as he's trying to do his job. And the comments were kind of, you know, what what the hell is going on here? What do the guards think they're doing? Mm. You know, so, you know, I, I really just feel as if it's the, it's the tail wagging the dog at this stage. Yeah, and uh, Dublin, unfortunately, is just a, it's a cesspit at this stage as far as uh, law and order goes in the city centre, particular areas of the streets. I mean, I, I, I travel regularly backwards and forwards to Dublin and there are places that... As a young child, I would have walked those streets, but now, uh, you know, at my stage in life, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go near them if I was in company. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's horrific. Um, tell, anyway, tell me about where you're located there now. It's it's not as bad as that, but you're saying that it's becoming very uncomfortable. It is becoming very uncomfortable and becoming very uncomfortable for my staff. First of all, um, I'm there for the last thirteen years. 
Um, it's you know kind of a big bright red shop. Um, we have lo- we have you know loads of very regular customers. Ninety nine point nine percent of my customers are wonderful, and they're people who just keep on coming back the whole time and bringing their children now. You know, people who would have come into me are now bringing their children back in for the experience of the shop. Um, so it's it's a lovely happy place, lovely place to work. But um, my staff are, you know, seriously complaining to me um, and I'm at risk of losing some of them actually as a, as a result of just this antisocial behaviour. Mm. So twice last week, for, for example, we had um, on Tuesday and on Friday, these guys doing what, what I think is called wishing or something like that, where they run into the into the shop and then they just grab a load of stuff and just run out again but then the ones that don't are probably even worse because they could just come into the shop and they obviously try to shoplift you're watching them the whole time and they're just then incredibly aggressive so like our only hope really is to kind of cut them off before they even get into the shop mm. and then the language the abuse so when you when when you see them coming in the door your heart is pounding no. And, and uh, I mean, the, the Gardaí, the argument, and, and it, it seems to be split down the middle at this stage. Some people are saying that there are no Gardaí w- where they need to be at the time that they're needed. Yeah. Um, and then the Gardaí will tell you, look, hands up, there's nothing we can do about it. We've only got so many here. Um, and uh, like, I, I, I read recently that um, the current group of young men and women who are training in Templemore, that 35 of them have quit six months into their training. They just, wow. they, they just don't want to do it anymore. Approximately yeah. 35 is what I hear. But th- that doesn't surprise me. And presumably as someone who retails there in that area, you've spoken to the Gardaí, have you? The guards are one nicer than the other. They're, they're great people, yeah. you know, trying to do their job. But just to give you an example, a few months ahead, given up bringing them really... But a few months ago, um, I rang up and we were one of the girls was very upset. So I said, look, that's enough. So um, we rang up and said, look, this is the situation here. So um, <laughs> the person who actually answered the phone said to me, the guard who answered the phone, he kind of said to me, um, I'm sorry now to say this. And I'm embarrassed to say this. But could you ring 999? And I said, what? The guard asked you to ring 999? The guard asked me to ring 999. Oh. And I, yeah, and I said, but surely that's for somebody who's seriously injured, who's fallen down the stairs, or an old person, or you know what I mean, that this has happened to. And uh, he, he said, I know, I know, I know. He said, the system is broken. Mm. And that's it, isn't it, then? And the, so the, that's the yeah. response you're getting at the cold face, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and they, they literally are helpless to respond because they can't just leave their desk, which they probably would have done 30, 40, 50 years ago. They would have yeah. said, yeah, we'll nip outside and we'll be across to you in 20 minutes or 15 minutes. Mm. But um, And I've heard PJ talking about this, that the system now is that if you have a car accident or if, if unfortunately, you have a bad accident you know, outside Anglesey Street, you still have to go and ring 999. You can't just go into the Garda station. Yeah. Yeah, there's some, something has to change, as you said. Something has to change from the from the, the you know from the top, yeah. and that enough people like me have got to say enough is enough is enough. You know, we're just not putting up with this anymore. It it just doesn't work. That's the line. No. And you know, many people will say, well, when when it works, it works well, but it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it, it's like when you go to A&E, you could be there a day, but once you get inside the hospital, you're particularly well looked after. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it seems to be that situation with the Gardaí's say that once you get beyond the 999 and you start dealing with whether it's detectives or specialist units, it's, it's a different situation. But the rank and file Gardaí just can't respond because they're just unable to deal with it. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I had even thought of putting, um, you know, it, it, all of the footage. I mean, I have hours and hours and hours of footage yeah. of these guys stealing the shop. And, you know, so it's proven I, you can see them going out the door with the stuff and running out. So I asked the guards yesterday, I kind of said, look, can I put the photographs of these guys on the door? Like, I, you know, I just feel I have to be able to protect myself. Mm. I have to be able to do something. If the guards can't do anything for me. And he said, no, 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 you can't do that. <sighs> yeah. So it's stacked in their favour. It would definitely. Yeah. It definitely, yeah, yeah. And the guards will tell you that. What about, uh, and, and it, it is effective, Noel, when you've got a great big burly guy wearing a black jacket and, and very. Uh, it, that's very effective, but it's also expensive. Well, this is what the guards are actually saying. They're saying that in an awful lot of the big stores like the Tesco's and the New Looks, that they're no longer really employing that much security because the cost of security has gone through the roof. So they're actually taking the hit. Yeah. So that's law and order kind of gone out the door. So there's nothing to prevent these guys. And I see them. They're coming up Paul Street in gangs to go into, you know, to, to steal drink in Tesco. And the reason it's so expensive, private security, is because once again, the law is stacked against the security guard. Yeah. So if he lays a hand on the individuals and the hoodies, he's the one who stands up in front of the judge and takes the hit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I would, I would love, actually, if there was somebody, from, a representative from the guards, who wasn't maybe the sergeant or whatever, but somebody from Dublin who, you know, if you could get on air to kind of say, look, this is where we're going. But, but I mean, apparently in Cork, they were due to get 11 recruits in Anglesey Street and one turned up. One. One. Yeah, um, uh, somebody, uh, a journalist was telling me there actually last week <clears throat> that um, the reason you don't see the Gardaí out and around during busy times is because they don't have cars, you know. Um, they, they apparently, once somebody said it to me, I don't know how true it is, but I would, I would believe it, that the Gardaí in the city centre here in Cork have more bicycles than they have cars. And they have to patrol in twos. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's having your effectiveness straight away. The, the the irony here, I was thinking about this coming in this morning, was that, like, if you or I walked into a well-known supermarket or off-licence and shoplifted a bottle of wine, mm. we would be arrested within 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. Our reputations and everything would be destroyed and we would end up in court and in the newspapers and probably on television and radio news whereas these characters with 99 previous convictions no one mm. even knows what they look like I know, yeah. I know I mean I actually in the past I've, sh I've shown CCTV uh, footage of all these guys and whatever I see these guys walking up and down the street I've s and the guards will get back to me and say we can't possibly, we don't know them we don't, we, we've been unable to identify these people from the very clear footage that you've given us. Mm. And we then, don't know them. Now, if I know them, and if I can see them daily all over town, yeah. the guards know them. And when you consider thinking back to Francis's story, Francis Costello, we were talking to earlier on, mm. um, 
it's taken this long to get that individual into prison for 10 years. So, you know, young kids who are shoplifting, they know that there's no problem here, that they're just going to walk free, even, even if they are charged and convicted. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you put your hand on their back to kind of say, please leave the shop after you've asked them 10 times, yeah. they will say, don't you touch me. How dare you touch me. You know, it's so, mm. where do you go? Yeah. How are your staff, by the way? You say that the toll on the staff is very unfair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just had a staff member who left yesterday. She just said to me, I can't, I can't take it. God. Yeah. And so uh, this is a small little yeah. shop. I mean, you know what I mean, in the centre of Cork. And we, we really do feel as if, like, there's a few shops around the Paul Street area, like Pinocchio's and ourselves. And we just feel as if, like, we're the, we're the ones that make, you know, a little bit of a difference because we are different. Mm. You know, we add a little bit of colour to the place and people, like, will travel from far away to kind of say, you know, we came to see, we just get like, such a buzz when we come into the shop. Yeah, it's so is, shop. is that what we want, you know, to try yeah. and close down the likes of our shops, you know? Well, whatever about getting the sergeant on or getting somebody who might be able to tell us where this problem is going to lead us to, um, Mary Lou MacDonald from Sinn Féin is going to be on with me for the last hour this morning, so I will put oh, the question to her, okay? Yeah. And I know that the whole justice system and crime um, and in their uh, their alternative budget this year, they were suggesting, they were talking about um, increasing the number of recruits in Templemore on a yearly basis, but also increasing the allowance, doubling it for each of mm. these individuals. So that would make it a, a reasonably a reasonably stronger wage than it is. So I'll, I'll certainly put that question to her, Noel. Yeah, because, I mean, they're going to... I was just looking up there. They're, they're going to lose, apparently, between recruit, between you know, people leaving the guards and retirement. They're going to lose 500 guards this year. Mm, yeah. And the, the real problem as well, if you go a little bit further into the specialist ranks, is that a lot of these men and women have specialised in very... Uh, unique areas such as, you know, many of them are criminologists, they have master's degrees in psychology and, in, in, you know, behavioural studies. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it pays them to leave the Gardaí and to go to the private sector and get good jobs where they're safe, you know? Yeah. 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 No, okay. I, 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 um, let me be the first to wish you a happy Christmas and I really hope oh, that, uh, that things go well. And Do you know something? If you haven't been to this shop, folks, it's just such a beautiful shop. It really, really is. And um, I, I really hope things improve. I hope so. Thank you so much, Gareth. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Noel. Take care. Thanks, Thanks a lot. A That's uh, Noel O'Donoghue there from um, Sweetheart Sweet Shop in Paul Street. Beautiful area. It's so traditional, you know. Like you've you've got the whole Huguenot area there, and then you've got the the the, the Crawford Beatty Gallery, and you've got so many beautiful locations, great coffee shops, and then you have this little gem of a timeless sweet shop, Sweetheart Sweet Shop in Paul Street. Thanks to Noel there. Uh, right now, uh, we're going to go to an ad break. If you would like to give us a call, 083 396 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Check this out. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. Let's have some fun. Every day, your afternoon soundtrack. I've got it covered, although it's still a bit early for the Christmas tunes. It's too early. Scream it again. It's too early. One more time, Alison. It's too early. 
Halloween. You don't want to hear a fairy tale of New York then, no? It's a bit early for a fairy <laughs> And you know I've always got stuff for you to win. That's after making my day, like. Be with me weekdays, 12 to 4. Simon Murdoch. Midday to 4 p.m. With First South Credit Union. For your needs are put before profits. First South Credit Union. Members come first. Is this, is this how we do it? Corks 96 FM. Gareth here for PJ's back tomorrow. Um, 083 396 96 Now, I don't know whether you think that the, the city is as Christmassy as it used to be. And I've known Cork City Centre for years and years and years. Uh, back in the days when um, I, I was a young boy and I used to spend a lot of time in Cork. Um, Blarney was always such a beautiful place, still is at Christmas. It's always retained that magic. But has the city centre been able to retain that sort of nostalgia feel? Cork City controversially decided not to have a Christmas light switch-on ceremony this year, which is very unusual in my book. But there's another issue worrying some traders and their question is, are the lights Christmassy enough? Wyan Stansfield is from Pinocchio's toy shop on Paul Street. Hi there, Wyan. Good morning, Gareth. It, I nice kind to speak of, to you again. yeah, nice to speak to you too. And I hope it's been a good, a good trading season so far. I would imagine it's going to get better. I think it will get better. It's been quite good so far. I can't, I can't say it's been bad. It's, it's holding up nicely. Yeah, I passed the shop actually there the other day, and I just, as I say, I love that area. There's something just it takes me right back. It's, uh, it's retained that kind of old world feel, which I hope never changes. Now, I think the Christmas, the Christmas the Christmassy ness is changing though, isn't it? A bit like the nostalgia seems to be gone, and the decorations are certainly different. I think so. I there's a there's a I mean like I, I mean most most of the streets look very nice. I mean I have to say, you know, Upper Lane's choice of lights is good. Most of the streets around us, I mean, I know our lights are not up yet, but that's a that's mm-hmm. a different story, but they will be up on Sunday. Um but that's because um the shopping centre has been taken over twice in the last couple of years and every time it happens we have a continuing discussion about who's responsible for lights on Wall Street, etc. Mm-hmm. Um but I think you're right. I think there's a slight, it's almost as if we're changing to this kind of American feel of happy holidays rather than happy Christmas and blue lights are creeping in. And I don't know about you, but blue is not Christmas. White, <laughs> red, green. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> but because not I, blue. Yeah, I was coming up Patrick Street this morning on my way to the station. And uh, yeah, there's, there's, um, there's a prevalence of blue, which, and it's almost blue like you'll see on a fire brigade or an ambulance in an yes. emergency, you know. Yeah. Yes, we're talking yeah. high vis here. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I just find that that is that that is a bit of a negative. And I certainly, I mean, this year, this this um, this installation that they've put on um, on Emmett Place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not Christmassy, you know. They, like you see the pictures of it. Yes, I accept at night when when the lights are on and you see Instagrammy pictures of it, it looks nice. But it's not Christmas, and the number of people who are going to have a look at it is minuscule. I mean, last night when we were walking home, I think there was two people on the control panel and two people walking over to it right. and us walking through it. You know, and it's purple and it's pink and it's it's just not... And in daytime, it looks particularly ugly. It's just a series of white balls on top of metal pylons. Yeah. You know, uh, with big black shapes underneath them. Um, and I just think so much more could have been done. I mean, they, you know, it, it, the idea was because they can't, couldn't have the the um, the one in the park um, this year because of the renovations. 
and to have something magical <laughs> up on Emmett Place, but it's not magical. It's you know, there's no, there's no, there's no stalls around it. There's no Christmas decorations around it. There's there's nothing. It's 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 nothing. I mean, it's it's an art installation. Yeah, I it's yeah, a, I agree with you, uh, and I I don't know why uh, you know. Christmas decorations are Christmas decorations. I mean, it's all about nostalgia. Uh, and, yes, you know, yeah. and like technofying it, if there is such a word, just doesn't work. It might work at different times of the year, St. Patrick's Day perhaps, but it doesn't work at Christmas. No, it's it, Christmas is Christmas. I mean, you know, I mean, that's why I tweeted a picture of our window after it and said, this is Christmas, because that's what Christmas is. Mm. Those, I know it's cliche, I know it's a slightly cliched decoration, but that's what it's supposed to be. I mean, you know, and yes, you can have, you know, newer light fittings, but they still need to maintain that slightly traditional, yeah. slightly old fashioned feel. That's what Christmas is about. It's a tradition. It's not a, you know, it's not a modern Patrick's Day mm. festive something or other. Yeah. Um, so is, yeah, you're right. It needs to be old. Is, is it becoming more where like everything today is subjective? Everybody has an idea rather than that kind of once collective thing that we all accepted was part of Christmas. Some callers are calling us now just to say that they love the lights display on Emmett Place. I'm, I'm sure some callers do. And I mean, it does look, I mean, at night when it's switched on, yeah, it's kind of striking, but it's an art installation. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I mean, if it was any other time of the year, I'd be going, it's fantastic. It's really interesting and it's a bit unusual. And But it's not a, it's not a Christmas light show. It's not... You know, I mean, when you even even at night when you walk around the corner, Christmas is not the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, it does. I'm not denying that it's a from an Instagrammy photograph thing. It looks it it looks very striking at night when the balls are changing color and the music in the background. Mm. But, I, but think, I just yeah the the Yanks the Yanks do it in style, don't they? I mean, obviously Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day tomorrow. I mean, if you yes. you walk down walk down any of the big streets in Manhattan coming up to Christmas, and that's Christmas. The lights and yes. the shops. Masses of decorations you know. and shops decorated. And, and I mean, some of the shops around the city centre do a fantastic job. Now, some some do a very generic job, no offence. <laughs> but but some, I mean, <laughs> what they do, I mean, some, some, you know, stick a bit of tinsel up is not really a Christmas decoration. But mm. but some of them, I mean, even some of the corporate ones do a, do a really superb job. I admit that, you know, I realise it's it's something they obviously have a plan for all of their shops and that's that's fine. I mean, mm. you know, if you have fifty shops, you do fifty shops the same. You don't do fifty different shops. Yeah. But 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 they're nice. But I mean one or two of the shops just make bugger all effort to make it Christmassy. And then it's surrounded by slightly non Christmassy feel in general. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I just think it's it's very important. It's a bit like um, people moan about the Christmas music, but the weird thing about the Christmas music from a retailer's point of view is that it makes people feel happy and nostalgic. want to go and buy stuff and nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, it, it works when you start playing. I mean, we don't, funnily enough, we don't start playing it until the 1st of December usually because... And then, well, you have to listen to it, you know, 12 hours a day for <laughs> seven days a week. So, you you know, spare yourself I mean, another day you know, or two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just like to preserve it a little bit yeah. longer. But but, but it, it, it really does work when you play Christmas music. People feel Christmassy. They, they, do, feel, yeah. they feel more positive, you know, and it's the same on the streets. When people see the Christmas decorations, they feel more Christmassy. They feel mm. more positive. They want to go out. And I, I just, I find this with that, the, the installation thing, that if you look at the numbers going to it and then you compare the numbers that would have gone in 
I all I know for one day only, but for one day to go and look at the Christmas lights and see that kind of start mm. of the magic. And then you look at that installation and you go, it'll be, it'll be you know, 20, 30 by the time the numbers get anywhere near yeah. the numbers in the city centre. Yeah. And I'm assuming it's not free. Right. I mean, it's, it's it's costing them. Look, it's great to talk to you, Ian, and happy Christmas and to everybody there at Pinocchio. Thank you very much. I look forward to see the decorations over the next few days. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks a lot. That's Wyan Stansfield there from Pinocchio's Toy Shop on Paul Street. Um, and an interesting survey there recently. They look back on all of the big Christmas songs that we've loved down through the years. And every single topical song that's Christmas related, they were huge hits. They're all from the 1970s and 1980s, with one exception, I think. And that was Mariah Carey, who was, I think, 1993 or thereabouts. Anyway, Black Friday is this Friday, but we're going we're gonna to remind you about Green Friday this morning as well. Traders locally pushing for a Green Friday and asking people to shop local for their Christmas gifts. More on that coming up. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focus solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Corks 96 FM wants to fill your Christmas with fun and play. The 10K Toy Giveaway is back. We're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees for free. Free. Listen to Corks 96 FM all day long from Monday, November 27th. For your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. To win. No Christmas. I love Christmas. Merry Christmas. Corks 96 FM's 10K Toy Giveaway. With your local credit union helping you have a wonderful Christmas. Listen and win from next Monday. Only on Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Good morning to you, PJ is back tomorrow. It's Gareth O'Callaghan with you here on the Opinion Line till midday today. Uh, joining me just after 11 o'clock will be Sinn Féin leader... Mary Lou MacDonald, who's in Cork today on business. I'll be talking more to her about that. And also some questions that some of you have been texting in. I'll put a, a few questions to her as well if we have time. But obviously, um, on the foot of the success of Sinn Féin in the 2020 general election with uh, three huge wins here in Cork City and County. Uh, Tommy Gould, Pat Buckley, Donica O'Leary. Um, there's a lot of anticipation now and let's face it, I think there will be an election before this time next year. I think it will happen round about budget time, either before or after. Probably after. Um, it, I'm, I'm interested to hear what uh, Mary Lou MacDonald thinks about the prospects of how the party will do in the next election, considering that if they had fielded more um, contestants, that uh, they they could they could well have been in government for the last two two and a half years. But more on that after eleven o'clock this morning. Oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six is our number. Now, Black Friday, which is this Friday, isn't just about gadgets. It's also a great day to bag a bargain holiday. And I know so many of you have been doing that, but perhaps maybe it's something that you should look at if you're not familiar with that. Let's hear how Sarah Slattery of the travelexpert.ie uh, is, is doing this week. I'd say it's a busy week, Sarah. 
Hi, Gareth. Yeah, it really is. It's getting busier and busier every year. Yeah. Um, the, the traditional January sales, this seems to be uh, trumping them now this year and last, I think. I'm looking at some of the flight sales. They're They're unbelievable this year. They really are. And more and more people are getting on board, you know, and what started as I suppose it's a case of, you know, everybody's jumping on the bandwagon now, seeing how how well it's going. Um, Aer Lingus came out very early, actually. They came out last Wednesday um, and most of the sales will run up until Cyber Monday. Um, But they're really, really good. Offers 100 euros off flights to North America, uh, 200 euros off business class flights and then 25 percent off European city and sun destinations. Uh, Now, they're up only for travel up to the 14th of March. But for anybody looking to get a nice little city break or some winter sun, um, the deals are really, really good. And accommodation deals then, if you do go to New York uh, or Washington, do do prices come down in terms of hotel accommodation at this time of the year or do they stay the same? It's such a good time to go as well. You know, from January to March is, is probably the best time price-wise. Um, and, you know, you have less crowds as well. But uh, Booking.com have 30% off hotel stays um, on, on various hotels. So th- there's a great, um, I have a post on my website about this with all the different links in it. But if you go onto the Booking.com site, you'll see a Black Friday uh, banner there. And you can, if you click through, your, you'll, you'll see that where the 30% reductions are. Mm-hmm. So it can be really good if you combine the Erlinga sale and, and the 30% off hotels. You really, I mean, it's such a big chunk, you know, you can really get a bargain. And you're saying 1st of December to the 14th of March. Obviously, this time of the year with Thanksgiving Day tomorrow, it's a very expensive time to travel, isn't it? Yeah, at the moment now and coming up to Christmas with the Christmas lights and everything, that would be dear. But um, January, February, March, like even around St. Bridget's weekend, you know, you could capitalise on that. Or um, like Patrick's weekend now obviously isn't included, but early March. So, you know, there there are lots of... of uh, really, really cheap flights to the States. And then European city destinations like Rome and Lisbon is 88 euros return. And the Canary Islands, Fort Ventura was 109 return when I looked there the other day. And and you have to remember with Erlingas as well, they include the 10 kilo check bag. So, um, you know, you really don't necessarily have to spend any more, you know, if, if you want to just take that bag with you. Yeah, I can't. I mean, obviously, you, you mentioned Fuerteventura at this time of the year. It's 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 very popular, and for that sort of a price, yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong. One hundred nine euro. No, you can't. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> Let's talk about Ryanair. They've got a Cyber Week deal going on at the moment, haven't they? Yeah, they have a different offer every day um, this week. Um, at the moment, it's city breaks up until the 29th of February um, from 29.99 or 24.99. Uh, I also see today, that was a similar offer that was out yesterday. So I'm, they're supposed to have a different one each day. But I did see another uh, note on their website this morning, 25% off car hire. So maybe that's today's offer as well. Uh, but yeah, you need to just kind of check back on the Ryanair website every day and see uh, the latest offers that come in. And those city destinations, are they all over Europe or are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they have a list of them and it's from all the airports as well, which is good. Um, you know, they've probably uh, quite a lot from Cork as yeah. well. So um, there's, there's a good choice there. Yeah, I know they're flying to Fuerteventura from, from Cork. I, I, don't, I think Aer Lingus might be as well, although possibly just Lanzarote. We can check in that. Um, with Air Portugal now, another once again, very, very popular. They're flying out of Cork. Yeah, and there's lots of, um, for people looking for long haul as well, and um, this is why I suppose I, I included Portugal, um, for people looking to for South America, uh, Brazil, like 5 99 to Brazil, 
Um, Qatar Airways, for anyone going wanting to go um, east, uh, prices like seven sixty one to the Maldives for anyone wow. looking for a real luxury trip. Yeah, uh, seven ninety six to Phuket. Um, so you know, there it, it's do, it's not just it's it's just I suppose to get the message across that the the great thing about the about these Black Friday sales is that most airlines or most um, travel agents, tour operators, most people are getting involved. So there are, are discounts pretty much across the board. And are a lot of people traveling. Like I know there's a huge interest in going further afield now to the likes of you know Barbados and St Lucia and that. But the Maldives, I mean, the idea of kind of owning your own island for a week over there and getting a good deal to fly there, it's irresistible, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And I suppose in a a strange way, I mean, I was at a um, a conference there recently and the the prices, the short haul holidays now, notwithstanding what I'm talking about today, but generally speaking in July, August, at Christmas time, at Easter time, in the peak, peak months, the prices to go to the Canaries and the prices to go to some of the short haul routes have gone so high now that it's the long haul is getting attractive again. And of course, still post-COVID, there's still that bit of, you know, that bucket list, let's go for it. Um, you know, we don't know what's coming. So definitely long haul is really making a big uh, comeback uh, this year. And I would imagine next year as well. Yeah. And I, I was reading somewhere there recently, um, older people, as a result of the, the awful anxiety that they endured through COVID, a lot of them are sort of saying, throwing caution to the wind and saying, right, I'm going to spend the money I have now and I'm going to go to places I've never been to before. Exactly. The bucket list um, is no, isn't They're really scratching them off the bucket list at the moment. Yeah. Um, I think we're all, we're, we're all a bit, bit um, that's, that's, I suppose, we, we're all looking for new experiences and, and to do just different things. Now, um, in terms of travel ag- agencies, like, and I know travel agencies this time of the year definitely looking forward to 2024. Um, are they, are they offering deals? Yeah, I mean, this is where it really gets interesting for families because a lot of families would have traditionally, you know, waited till January sales. But at the moment, TUI, for instance, which would be really popular with family holidays, um, they have 200 euros off holidays right up until April 2025, would you believe? So, um, like, if you wanted, if you need to go in July, August, and you want, you know, you can get a free child place now and you can get 200 euros off and you only need to put down a deposit to book it. So it's not a case where you have to pay in full for, for your flights. Um, you know, so it's a really, really good time to, to get a bargain with them as well. And, um, if, you know, if, even for couples, if you, if you don't want to spend 2000, you have to spend, sorry, 2000 euro to get 200 euros off. Now, a lot of families in July, August would probably spend that. But for if you, if you spend a thousand euro, if it's a couple or two girls or whatever going, you'll still get a hundred euros. Off. So there are some really, really good deals with those. And even like the peak dates, I suppose that's to, to highlight some of the airlines and some of the other offers, the peak dates are excluded. But with, with two, it's available right through the summer, through, you know, next winter, everything, you know, so it's it's, it's really, really good saving. Mm. And um, travel department who um, do some amazing trips, like when you look at some of the packages that they have on, on offer. Yeah, and th- again, there's a huge variety with travel department. Um, for any for anyone who's looking for like a group tour, once an excursion tour, even getting back to that that bucket list um, things. You know, the fabulous trips around India, Vietnam. 
Um, and then they also have trips for Italy for someone who just prefers to have the guided tour and, you know, feels more comfortable uh, doing it that way. Um, they have 75 euros off per person on holidays of eight nights or more. Um, so that's 150 per booking, like it's quite a lot. And because they're per person and not per booking, um, you, even if you're a solo traveller, they're brilliant for solo travellers because you're going with like-minded people and you have that security. Um, you know, you'll still get the 75 euro off. So that's really good as well. And they've two different brands. They've um, Travel Department and TD Active, which are kind of more for active holidays, but they're still guided group tours. So lots of selection on those as well. Um, 50 euros off per person on seven night holidays, lots of different uh, deals. And again, all of these are linked on my website anyway. Great. Okay. And just to remind people, that's the travelexpert.ie. Let's yes. talk about skiing yeah. because we're, we're, getting, we're, we're getting close to now to the ski season, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I like this deal from Crystal Ski because it's one of these, it's valid, it's 150 euros off per booking, but it's valid on all dates, on all resorts and all accommodation. So there's no restrictions. And um, once you spend a thousand euro, you get 150 euros off uh, per booking. And I suppose for a skiing holiday, it's not cheap. You probably will spend a thousand euro. So um, again, that, that's a great offer at the moment. Right, valid right up until uh, Cyber Monday. Oh, right, okay. Are the ski resorts still pretty much as they always were the, the, in terms of the hierarchy? Do you still have the same people going to the same places? Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, it's kind of been hard to say over the last few years with the snowfalls, but there has been some really, really good snow over the last couple of weeks. So we're all kind of we're a bit optimistic that uh, it's going to be a good ski, ski season this year. Um, and I suppose it's it's look, it's it's not a cheap holiday, but there are good um there are better destinations that are better value. Like I was in Andorra last year and it was great value. It's duty free. And, you know, so you can do it. Um, and you know, when you pay the, the amount in advance, at least when you get there, then you have very little spending money because all your activities are included. Mm. You know, you're skiing all day. So it's not the type of place that, you know, you spend a huge amount when you're in the resort. Most of the money is kind of spent before you go. Right, okay. And all the sleeping is done when you come home, I suppose, as well. Exactly, yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's good for you, it's healthy, you know, oh, right. outdoors and all that. Yeah. Yeah. All the gluevine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe at the apres ski, but yeah. <laughs> oh, they're balanced. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, hotel booking sites. Now, this is something that a lot of people are, are they're, they're more invested in finding good value, but also good quality. Isn't that the case? Yeah, and there's such a great, again, there's such a variety uh, available, um, even in hotels in Ireland. Um, you've got like 20% off a lot of hotels, like a lot of five-star hotels, the Intercontinental in Dublin, Mount Juliet, um, the Hardyman Galway. Like they all have 20% off um, dates at the moment right up until March. Again, read, you know, Irish hotels have been getting a terrible time for their prices. Uh, but this is a really cheap time to go um, in the winter time to get an overnight escape, to beat the January blues and all those lovely cliches. But um, like even in Cork, I was looking there, the Dean in Cork, which is a kind of trendy place to stay mm-hmm. um, at the end of January, 120 euros per room. Um, the Dean in Galway, 118 euros per room. Um, another one, lovely one that I came across is Johnstown Estate. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a winter a treat, winter treat. Um, and it's a lovely hotel, lovely spa there. They have an overnight stay with breakfast. You get a bottle of wine and you get 10 euro dining credit for 150 euros for two. Mm. So like your bottle of wine and everything, like I just think some of the deals out there are really, really good at the moment. Yeah. Now you've 10 city break deals for less than 199 euro on the website, haven't you? Yeah, I, I compiled, what I did was I kind of compiled the, the, the cheap flights um, that I got in January to March with the 30% off hotel stays. And all hotels are four star, some are two nights, some are three nights. 
Um, but they're all less than 199. Like Barcelona starts 144, three nights in Lisbon for 196. Um, Venice 188. So they may really make really nice Christmas gifts yeah. as well if anybody is, is thinking of uh, spoiling their, their uh, loved one. Mm, that's great value. That's like, what, about 60, mm. 70 euro a night in Lisbon. Three nights, 196 euro. Yeah, including flights, like, you know, they're including flights. That's so, like, really good. Wow, yeah, yeah. that is. And, and how can they do that? I suppose it's because it's such an international location as well. Yeah, I suppose just January to March, like places like that, they're, you know, Barcelona, Lisbon, uh, you know, they're just not popular. It's like, I suppose, you know, our Galways and Donegal and, you know, yeah. people don't tend to, to, to travel as much at that time of year. So the hotel rates are really cheap and the flights are really cheap. So it's some of those, some of the flights, you know, are twenty nine each way or, you know, like they're just so good. And then if you're getting 30% off the hotels, uh, it just really can bring the price down. Even somewhere like Bilbao, which I thought was good value at three nights there with their Lingus flights for, uh, for 194 euro. Um, so, you know, if you want to kind of see somewhere different, go into La Rioja or, you know, yeah. it's just, it's a really nice, uh, different type of city break and it's a nice time to travel there. And it's a beautiful location. It really is. Let's talk about the cruises. Uh, they're becoming more popular, aren't they? Yeah, and uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a, just a bit of a minefield. There's so many different yeah. uh, cruise deals at the moment. It's unbelievable. Uh, I would definitely recommend talking to a travel agent, a cruise specialist agent, if you are booking a cruise, because there's so many different deals. And for anyone who hasn't cruised, like, you know, there's such a variety. They go from everything from, you know, top luxury where you dress for dinner to complete casual family cruises so it is important to talk to um, a good cruise specialist but like the savings up to 50% off Nor- Norwegian um, cruise line then they have 50% off as well they're free at sea packages so that's like the drinks packages and the Wi-Fi and all that and then Sunway are giving an extra 100 euros off that on top of that uh, to try and kind of capitalize on the Black Friday savings um, um, Royal Caribbean yeah. have like 700 euros off per cabin plus discounts and drinks packages MSC 460 off per cabin like it's it's princess cruises have 350 euros off the flights to get you to the cruise you know so they all kind of have different packages um, but and most of them are available throughout the year which is great mm. uh, do you like cruising because I know I know you you would obviously because of you know being in the business the travel business is it something that you you enjoy I love it. Yeah, yeah, I really do. But I do think there's a huge difference from sh- not even just from cruise company. Like I was on the, exactly the same cruise. I won't ma- mention it now. But I was on exactly the same cruise ship in the Med and in um, in Florida. And it was like being on two different. It was completely different crowd, the clientele, the the entertainment, you know. So it's not only about the um, the cruise line. Sometimes it's the ship. Like if you're in the Mediterranean in July, you know, on some ships, it can be just packed with children and packed with families, you know, whereas you're on the same ship in the Caribbean in November and it's all couples, you know. Mm. So it's, it's important to... There's so much to factor in. It's as I said, it's not just about the ship; it's about the time of year, it's about the the itinerary as well. And um, so it, it is a bit like I love cruising, absolutely mm. love cruising, and I'm 
firmly believe there's a cruise for everybody out there. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's really important you choose the right one. Yeah, a friend of mine actually, a number of years back, um, he tells a great story where he was cruising in that general area, um, just to Florida and um, down along the Keys and there around the islands. And he just said it was like spending a week on the set of Cocoon. Did you find that? <laughs> like it, it, he said that it was a much older clientele that they, they tended to be in their 70s whereas this guy was only in his early 40s with his wife yeah I mean it, you know it's getting younger and younger and I've mm. been on cruise I mean the one we were on in Florida was like spring break it was wild you know yeah. absolutely wild you know they were doing trains around the pool and everything I, I, I couldn't get off it quick enough so like it depends like yeah. you know it's so different Yeah, it, it, it depends like if you were in the Norwegian fjords now you'd probably have an older crowd than if you had going you know around the Mediterranean or, or, or going to the Caribbean it really depends on the time of year and the type of ship and there's party ships as well and you know different there's, there's cruise that you know specialize in um you know they might have celebrity chefs on board and the could be culinary cruises or are you know so there, there really are so many different types now but a lot of the big big uh ships that that you'd see with the water slides and i mean some of the ships have like go-karts and you know actual racetracks on the ships now yeah. you know some of the, the details are incredible so they would obviously be more geared towards families and have a much younger clientele so yeah it really depends on, on the ship and uh on the on the itinerary i'd say you yeah. know just coming back home then hotel stays in ireland this is something i love because uh, i i don't i think I, I think as you get older you really appreciate home more don't you yeah absolutely and it's a lovely time to go and I mean a lot of the places particularly in the Midlands as I said that I was saying about the Johnstown Estate deal like they're really really good value so no matter where you are in Ireland you know you might only be 90 minute drive and you have an overnight escape and it will feel like such a lovely trip mm. away um, and even in Cork there uh, the Trigon hotels are having good deals what I liked about their offer was they're 15% off um, the Cork International Hotel and 20% off the Metropole but it's valid right throughout the year um, not the Cork Jazz Festival now yeah. um, or Christmas Easter but it's available right throughout the year whereas most of the deals you'll find um, are just valid up until the end of March um, but another nice one that was good was Loch Earn Resort if anybody wanted to go up north uh, they booked Life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if AI could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The 40% off stays, and they also give, like, they're given 40%, uh, or up to 40% off spa and golf and afternoon tea and some of the extras in the hotels as well. Yeah, Fermanagh is one of the most beautiful counties in the country. It really is. Yeah, Yeah. uh, you know, and it's a five-star hotel. Like, you wouldn't get those kind of discounts in the summertime. So, again, a nice time to try. uh, And I mentioned the Intercontinental in Dublin as well, Mount Juliet. Nice time to try a luxury hotel because you get it at a fraction of the price as you would in peak season. Great. And just to come back to the Metropole and also the Cork International, 20% thereof, if you book by the 1st of December, okay, for 2023 and 2024, and those days exclude Christmas, Easter and the Cork Jazz Festival. So I'd say this is going to be a busy week, week and a half for you, will it? You're going to be posting regularly on the website. Yeah, yeah, no, it really is. It's it's a great week now uh, for me and um, and for for travel in general because you know years ago this was a quiet time. You know, in, in yeah. travel, it would, we'd all be waiting around till January uh, for the business to kick off again. But no, this really is a, a really good time. And um, you know, even one of the things I I didn't mention was the likes of um, attractions and experiences and car hire and things like that. You know, like. It, the type of thing people leave until the last minute you know you might necessarily book your park tickets or you mightn't book your car hire until you're going but there's even deals in all of those um areas as well like i saw attraction tickets had five percent off site wide off all their all their tickets right up next summer in orlando orlando packages disneyland paris and um, so if you're not going till next july you know five percent off mightn't sound a lot but like it's 70 euros for a family in disneyland paris it's probably about 150 euros on an orlando flexi uh, park ticket so you know like the, they are big savings and with those you just have to put down a 25 euro deposit and um, so you can book it now know you know you have it sorted and don't, you don't have to think about it so like I suppose the big message is there's deals everywhere. If yeah. you want, if you're thinking of travels, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, check it out. I mean, it's so comprehensive and, and there's so much information in there. It's well worth taking a bit of time to read about it. Sarah, lovely to talk to you. And, uh, Thanks lo- so much, Gareth. Good luck to you and to everybody at uh, thetravelexpert.ie. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. That's Sarah Slattery. I think she mentioned there actually that she she just sort of breezily said that she was at a conference in the Maldives. I'm in the wrong job, that's for sure. I'm just wondering actually if I get on to one of the cruise companies where they have a position for a... um, Maybe a disc jockey. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Gareth here for PJ. He's back with you tomorrow morning. Our number 083 396 96 96. Now, in case you missed the news this morning, um, um, we were talking about it at the top of the show there, just after 9 o'clock. The Israeli cabinet on Wednesday that's very earlier this morning considering that I think they're four or three hours ahead of us they approved a ceasefire deal with Hamas that will bring a temporary halt to this devastating war that has stretched on now for more than six weeks and Hamas will release dozens of hostages being held in the Gaza Strip in exchange for Palestinians in Israeli prisons and uh, the people of Clonakilty have organised Clonakilty for Gaza this weekend. Dominic Carroll is one of the organisers of the event. Dominic, good morning to you. Good morning, Gareth. This is fantastic news. In the light of the shocking, horrific uh, war that's been happening, I mean, this is just wonderful, isn't it? Uh, well, of course, it's extremely welcome that for the next couple of days, at least, the bombardment will cease. 
Well, I've got to be honest about it. It's a rather cynical um, move by the Israeli government. Benjamin Netanyahu has described it as a lull. He won't even call it a ceasefire. It's a pause, as they say. In other words, within a few days, business is going to resume as it was. The bombardment will be resumed. And he has guaranteed that. He has said that, you know, that there there will be no changing his mind on that. They are going back to war within the next four to five days. Well, that appears to be the case. The only people who can bring any kind of um, pressure on Netanyahu are the Americans. But unfortunately, they greenlit this operation from day one. Uh, I, I, I think that they're embarrassed by the bombing of hospitals and the schools, and yet they just won't apply the, the necessary pressure to bring it to a halt. Only they can bring it to a halt, and they're just not inclined to do so. And I think it was rather unfortunate, uh, President Joe Biden's words when he was giving the press conference shortly after arriving in the Middle East, that he referred to uh, that it was the other team which shocked so many people when he used those words that, uh, that caused the, the atrocities in, in early October. Yeah, I guess Biden trivialises politics. I think um, the American political system has rather trivialised politics in the last few years. And it, in, in one sense, it's difficult to take it seriously. But on the other hand, Biden is the most powerful man in the world. Uh, America is Israel's backer in terms of finance and military um, hardware, etc. So they do have to be taken seriously. Uh, and I think that the pressure that's, that's building up around the world certainly is putting Biden under pressure. There's a lot of um, demonstrations and opposition in America itself to the, the current line of the American government. So it may be that over time, you know, they're going to have to um, revise their position and begin to put some serious pressure on Israel to bring this to a halt. Can, can, like, does the Irish government have a lot of clout in, 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 in what we hope will be their effort to step up their, their efforts in international forums. Like, do they carry a lot of strength in what they say publicly? Well, I think every country has a say in, in international forums, in our case, the EU and the United Nations. Uh, so, I mean, yes, I mean, obviously, it's, it's not, it doesn't have a great deal of weight, but it has some weight. It can't be ignored. Uh, undoubtedly, the EU uh, in Brussels and Strasbourg, etc., is uh, embarrassed by the fact that the Irish government has, has taken a, a more progressive line, as it were, by calling for a ceasefire. So certainly, you know, what is said in Ireland does matter to a certain extent. I mean, all, all we can do is you know, raise our voice, you know, say whatever it is that we think should be said, uh, and just add it to, the, to similar kind of calls from other parts of the, the world. So I, I guess in one sense, you know, no, no country on its own has much power apart from the United States. Uh, but other than that, um, you, you add your voices to, or you add your voice to that of others calling for the same thing. And so, you know, then your voice is amplified and our voice can be amplified in that sense. Now, I know you, you've been at some of the gatherings over the last few weeks. Over a thousand people have turned up in the city for the past six Saturdays, isn't it, to support Gaza? Correct. Six Saturdays in a row. Up to 1,500 people, in fact, have marched on those occasions. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, it's not extraordinary. I think what is extraordinary is uh, the, the outpouring of of anger. Um, I, I think it's heartening, not surprising by any means. But do, do, I, like, are the, the the IDF who are controlled basically by Benjamin Netanyahu? Um, they will do what he tells them to do. But who do you think can turn around and stop him? Is there anyone? in the Western world who can turn around and say, look, enough is enough, short of Joe Biden, but that's not going to happen, apparently. 
Well, it might eventually happen. Um, I don't know. I mean, no one knows what the outcome is going to be. That's the problem. We don't know from week to week what's going to happen. Um, I think, you know, we have to consider the United Nations as well. Obviously, they've criticized Israel for breaches of international humanitarian law, for targeting civilian infrastructure, etc. And obviously, for the huge death toll, uh, 13,000, 14,000 people killed, half of them children. Hospitals destroyed, schools destroyed. The United Nations, the pressure in the United Nations will grow. Um, I mean, it's up to them. They have to make Israel into a a pariah state at this stage. I mean, sanctions have to be imposed on Israel. Uh, Israel has to be put beyond the pale politically. Um, We don't know. We don't know know, if that pressure will build um, or whether Israel will simply continue until, you know, it's satisfied with um, its military operation. But in that case... Gaza will be a wasteland. And Netanyahu has said his his primary target here, and anyone who gets in its way will, will will be eliminated. His primary target is Hamas. But you can't eliminate an underground paramilitary organization, can you? No, I mean we've we've often heard it said you can kill the revolutionary, but not the revolution. Uh, there will always be resistance in Palestine, in Gaza, and in the West Bank. Uh, that's a given because of the the historical. Um, conditions, you know, that created the state of Israel in the first place. So there's no doubt about it that people will always resist. And they're forced to resist because of the fact that for them it's an existential struggle. For the Palestinians it's an existential struggle. Not just as a people, as Palestinians, but just in in terms of their everyday uh, struggle for existence. Uh, You know, the conditions are so terrible in the occupied territories and in Gaza and so on that there will always be resistance. And so, of course, Israel can't can't uh, uh, snuff that out. Ultimately, the political issues have to be addressed. Mm. Now, I know Hezbollah have been testing the, the, the waters in recent weeks and they, they have made a number of attempts to make their presence felt, particularly uh, in Lebanon and in the, the Northern Territories. Do you think there's a possibility that they will escalate their efforts? Well, um, it's hard to say. Again, one has to bear in mind that Israel is a military superpower in yeah. the region that is armed with nuclear weapons. So countries like Iran and movements like Hezbollah uh, are naturally um, reluctant to engage. It's not that they're not inclined to, but they, they understand what they're up against. They're, they're up against not just this military superpower um, that is armed with nuclear weapons, and that seems to be in a mood to fire them. They've already threatened to use nuclear weapons, or certain members of the government have said that nuclear weapons should be used. It's not a, it's not a surprise that the surrounding countries are somewhat circumspect in their response. I think they could be doing more, and certainly the, the, the oil-producing countries should have imposed an embargo on Israel by now. But one can't underestimate Israel, and in the final analysis, um, Israel's military might will be backed up by American military might if Israel's military might is brought under pressure. So, I mean, anyone, be it Hezbollah or Iran or surrounding uh, Arab countries, uh, has to tread very, very carefully because they know what they're up against. Now, in, in the news overnight, Netanyahu has said that they will extend what he, as you say, what he calls this lull, uh, which is a complete insult, by an additional day for every 10 hostages released. Is that the case? Is, is, is that what he's pl- planning to do? Well, that's what he said. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see 
first of all, are those hostages forthcoming? And then is, he, is, is his words worth anything? Uh, I mean, it, it's a terrible scenario for everybody. You know, one can't doubt that. Um, but, you know, the idea that for um, 10 hostages being released, that there will be uh, a further day's lull is, is effectively saying, you release 10 hostages, we won't kill 500 people today. Yeah. And the, in terms of the prisoners that are being released, do we know much about them? Do we know how many there are? Well, we know that there are 200 children held in Israeli prisons without charge. And there are 600 women in Israeli prisons. And it, it seems that women and children will be foremost amongst those being released. They're talking about 1,500. So there will be men released from Israeli prisons. But people really should reflect upon that. 200 children held without charge. You throw a stone at an Israeli soldier in the occupied territories, you can end up in prison without charge as a child. And that's what's happened. Yeah, that's uh, um, yeah. I, I, there are no words uh, l- like looking looking into the new year. Um, wh- where do you see this going? It, it, it's, it's a wide open question, but I, I don't think there are any answers either. Uh, well, look, I mean, I, I don't claim to be um, a foreign policy expert, and this is as intractable a problem as there is, you know, w- within world's current affairs or politics at the moment. We can see that this problem, you know, originates with the foundation of, of the state of Israel. Uh, Israel is an apartheid state. Uh, so you know, no one, I think, nobody of conscience can deny that something fundamental has to change in Israel. And whether they're amenable to that, I don't know. Whether in the final analysis, Israel will have to, it will be defeated by military means by the Palestinians and surrounding countries. We just don't know. I mean, mm. it's a it's a terrible vista, as they say. Now, this is something, it's still uncertain because the statement from Qatar's foreign ministry, they're mediating with Hamas. They described the talks over the last 48 hours that produced this agreement this morning as a mediation by Egypt, the US and Qatar for what they're calling a humanitarian pause. But they've just, they've kind of added a little addendum saying that the start time of the truce will be announced within the next day. Do we know much about that? Well, it has to um, go before the Israeli government, first of all, at large. And then apparently there's a 24-period during which it can be challenged legally. So therefore, it doesn't seem likely that it can begin until tomorrow. That's the expectation. And Israeli far, uh, spokespeople have been saying that, that it's likely then that the, the lull, the pause, whatever they want to call it, will commence tomorrow, Thursday. And finally, um, do we know anything about the plight of eight-year-old Emily Hand? A couple of listeners just wondering about that. Uh, well, um, I have no um, knowledge about that, except that yeah. obviously we hope that she is released. And I think there are high hopes that she will be released because she fits into the category. She's a child. And certainly it seems that children are going to be prioritised when it comes to the releases. So we can be hopeful that she will be released. OK, Dominic, good to talk to you. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, Clonakilty for Gaza will hold that candlelit rally in solidarity with the people of Gaza this coming Saturday, 25th of November at 5pm uh, in Clonakilty's Asna Square. That's Dominic Carroll there from Clonakilty. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Big, 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 show, 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 radio. 
turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Cork Simon. Anne wants to give everyone the home that Cork gave her. She's leaving a gift in her will to Cork Simon. Find out more at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Gareth here for PJ this morning. 0833 96 96 96. Now, all of you uh, will remember Roach's stores, one of the most famous department stores, not just here in Cork, but also in Dublin, and I think they had branches in, I think, Galway, uh, Belfast, and uh, they, it, it was it was one of the biggies, that's sure, for sure, down through the years. Thousands of Corkonians worked in the famous Roach's stores here at one time or another, and former workers keep the Cork stores' memories alive with their annual reunion. And this year's reunion took place at the weekend, and there was a fantastic turnout. It closed, by the way, in 2005. I didn't think it was that long ago. But uh, listening to the stories that they they talk about when they meet up at the reunion every year, you'd think it was only last week. And uh, if you have any memories of Roach's Tours, please, you can text us now. And uh, as I say, we'll, uh, we, we'll talk more about that. Rose, good morning. Good morning, Gareth. How are you? Very well, indeed. Lovely to talk to you. It, I'm just looking at the photographs that you sent me uh, of the night fantastic. itself. It's fantastic. It really, really is. And everybody yeah. in such great form. Great form. It was a great night. Absolutely. And that was just a part of the crowd because we found it so difficult to get everybody in <laughs> for a group photo. As you can see, we were packed like sardines. Um, but you also had people who were sitting around who actually didn't get into that photo. Right. So I reckon, you know, we counted, you're probably talking 120 people um, in John the night. In, in Douglas, um, yeah. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, such a bad night. It was brilliant for to get such a turnout. And I'm so happy for Finbar Buckley, who really, I suppose, should be on here. He's the one that organised it all. He's great for keeping everybody, you know, going and keeping everybody in touch and putting on the old photos and all that. So it was absolutely, really a brilliant, brilliant night. And I take it you all still keep in touch, like with social media pages and that, do you? Ah, we do. Sure, look, we're all on Facebook, you know, and at some stage you you kind of know what's going on. But still, I mean, you know, obviously such a big crowd, you can't keep in contact um, with only a few people, I suppose, at a time. But like to meet there now um, on Friday night was absolutely great. Like we had people there, Gareth, one gentleman um, who was our stock manager, Mr. Teddy Brackett. Teddy is 91 I couldn't believe actually how old, but Teddy turned up, another man, John Finn, of course, our manager, John Mackin. um, They all thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, all the attention. um, They were like the Pope. (laughs) Everybody was (laughs) wanting to talk to them. And, you know, John Mackin, really, he he had an audience. I mean, (laughs) they were all going to speak with him. And it was lovely for them as well. You know, after all these years to think they were still remembered, they were still loved. And, you know, share memories w- with them as well. Mm. Um, so, you know, like, look, people came. We had another lady, actually, I can't recall her name because there was so much going on the same night and um, you couldn't really talk to everybody. But she had left in 1972 and yet she turned up there on Friday night because obviously, you know, that memory was still close to her and she wanted to, to be back in among that. Um, and she'd come up, I think it was from Mill Street. I may be wrong on that, but I know it was a, a really long journey. She had made the effort 
um, and she was going to leave early, as I said, it was such a bad night. But it was absolutely, it was brilliant. It was brilliant to see everybody again. Can I ask, what year did you start working at Roaches? I started myself um, the 15th of March, because I remember I got my my day off for Paddy's Day. (laughs) Uh, The 15th of March, I started. I was only there for the day, two days, and I got my day off. Um, And that was 1975. Right. And was that your first job? I left then in 2005. Yeah. Was that your first job? That was my very first job. That was my first job, yes. And as I said uh, last time I was on, I probably, I retired there um, back in October. And possibly I would have retired from Roaches. I would never have left it really had it still been there. You know, I would have retired out of it. Um, so, yes, it was it was my very first job. Um, I'd only one interview outside of that, which was for Tyler's Shoes. And I chose Roaches. Right. And And I stayed there and I was happy. Yeah. And did you work all over the shop or were you in one department for most of the time? Um, No, the way it was, you you started, um, you know, in a department, you could be moved. Like I I started originally, I was in what we used to call the kitchenware. And then I moved on to the furniture over at the side there where the coffee bar was. And from there, then I moved back to the electrical and within a few years, I became a supervisor. That was the promotion at the time. And then you you did a month in different departments. So you kind of got a taste of everything, basically, you know. Mm. So you were taken up for the kind of the the, the leadership course upstairs, yeah? The 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 manager's (laughs) course. Well, do you know what, (laughs) Gareth? It wasn't much at the time. When when you got your promotion in Roaches that time, you were called into the office and you were told, yes, um, we were satisfied and we're happy with your work and we feel you're doing well and we're going to make you a supervisor. And you were given a badge. And I remember it went from the black and white name badge to the gold badge, I think I was at Ooh, the time. Yeah. And you were told, quote, on the floor there now. And you I'm learned supervised. on the floor. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you checked, yeah, with all the supervisors and that was your training. Right. And you know and what? There was absolutely nothing wrong with it. Were you, were you treated differently when you moved up the ladder? Like when you became the supervisor? Were, did people look, look at you differently? <laughs> Do you know, I think really Roaches was the type of place everybody was treated with respect mm. and um, not really. I mean, if, if you were if you were kind yourself, you basically obviously you had a job to do. Um, but I think if, you know, which I hope I, I had treated people with respect as I would like to have been treated, I would have spoken to them in the same way that I would like to have been treated. And so I, I think we got on. I don't think there was that really high tier, higher tier of, yeah. you know, manager and employee, uh, which is, I suppose, why today we're all still great friends. It, it was, you know, we got on together and we helped one another. And it was of that mindset that if you did a good job, you were happy in yourself and the customer was happy. The management was happy. And that was basically our, our day. Everything was simple. You just, as I said, you had respect for one another um, and you got on with the job. You worked hard. You stayed busy. You got your pay at the end of the day and your conditions were good. Roaches yeah. were a great family to work for. They sure and were. So basically, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a testimony how great a place it was to work when you consider that so many of you gathered and do gather every year for this great reunion. So, Rose, thanks for chatting to us this morning. Just some great memories. Very there. welcome. Thanks a lot. Great memories.
thank you. And thank you for giving us the opportunity. Oh, Take care pleasure. now. Bye-bye. Thank you. Rose O'Connor there, uh, formerly of Roach Stores. And uh, what a reunion that was. Um, 160, 170 people there in Jono's in Douglas on Saturday night for a fantastic turnout. Now, Mary Lou MacDonald, leader of Sinn Féin, will be joining me uh, uh, in the next hour. We've some questions to put to her and to chat to her on the footing, of course, in the run-up to the next general election, which we think will be within the next 12 months. More on that after the news. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. The Cork Diary. On Corks 96 FM. Revel Frequencies is hosting a charity concert in the Whitehorse Ballancolic on Saturday the 25th of November at 7pm in aid of Cope Foundation. Featuring Katie Rose, Kevin Quigley, the Arcadians and more, tickets are available on idonate.ie. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary on Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96FM.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Scarra's here for PJ this morning uh, with you through till 12 and PJ's back tomorrow, 0833 96 96 96. As I mentioned, Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou MacDonald is in Cork on business today and uh, we'll be talking to her about why she's here, but also we'll be chatting to her uh, shortly um, about the prospect of extra seats in the next general election, also keeping in mind the local elections coming up early in the new year and the very real prospect that uh, she will be the next Taoiseach of the country. So more on that coming up, as I say, very shortly. Now, visiting every pub in Ireland sounds to me like a dream job. It's a great job description and um, obviously you have to finance how you do it and you have to plan it well. Gary Teeling will be doing just that, to take photos for his website, mypubireland.ie. Gary, I really envy you. Hi, Gareth. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. I mean, this is, uh, it's, it's, well, it's the dream job. It's also some undertaking, isn't it? How many pubs are there? Yes, yeah, so there's about, well, the last count was over 7,000. So I think with COVID and all that, I think there's under 7,000 now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the sad part of the job is trying to get to them before they close. But um, yeah, it's, it's good so far. Um, it's kind of a challenging, constant challenge to kind of, plan ahead it's hard to plan too far ahead though. yeah and this, so. the logistics are serious to put in place as well where where first of all where will you start so i've done 2500 i basically started in dublin mm-hmm. um i was working in a local shop trying to be a photographer for years but i was always looking for a bigger idea um so then i just photographed dublin pubs and i kind of threw myself into that and photographed most of the pubs then in a year um, and then as soon as I was in the middle of that, I kind of realized I wanted to do all the pubs in Ireland. A sim- kind of a simple idea, but one that would constantly challenge you, yeah. to be honest. And, um, um, and I'm just wondering, how do you get around all the pubs? I take it you have a car and I take it you're, you're, you're going to drive from town to town, are you? I have a little moped now. Oh. Um, I was using bicycles. So now I have a little moped. It actually needs a few repairs at the moment, so I'm back in Dublin. But um, yeah, so that's how I get around. It's a nice way to see the country. You're kind of in an area for 20 kilometres radius or so for a while. Um, mm. 
and I've been doing campsites for the last for all summer last year. I did campsites, um, so I'm looking forward to doing that again coming into April. What do you mean campsites? You mean, um... yeah, like you were on. I think you were talking about the price of accommodation earlier. Oh, yeah. Like for one person traveling around Ireland, it's not easy. So I decided to throw myself into camping. Oh, so right. it's okay. a great way to see the country. And I do campsites. Like you can have five, seven nights for the price of one night in a hotel or B and Bs. Okay, so you so just br- you bring a small actually, tent on the back of the moped, then do do you? Yeah, pack pack everything up. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it. That's economising. That's brilliant. That, that's a good start. What was your favourite pub in Dublin, or did you have more than one? Oh God, yeah, there's loads. Um, there it was always like the local one where we were living. Cusack's North Strand was great. Mm. It's an old Dockers pub, so that was great fun. Um, on a Friday night, it'd be hopping like in there with Bingo, the DJ, and all. <laughs> so it was yeah. kind of a mix of everybody, young and old. Yeah, um, and as you travel around, like there's great pubs in every village and town. Like I kind of like to learn as I go as well. So you don't kind of want to spot an area, but if you're moving, say Clonmel, I was doing Clonmel there before COVID, and um, you would have missed the pub. But it, the railway bar predates the railway. Yeah, it's kind of off the beaten track. It's incredible. Like you, you know, I like to learn as I go through them as well. Although people suggest a lot to me, so I'm kind of being dragged at certain places as well. Yeah, there's a great pub actually, also called the Railway Bar in Newry. If uh, when you get to Newry, uh, check in there. Like that, it's off the beaten track. I will indeed. Yeah, I'll just taking out that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can kind of recommend quite a few. I've been on the road uh, for a long, long time. So, what what do you look for? Like, I I presume you're not just looking for a good photograph. You're looking for an experience as well, aren't you? Yeah, so like it's it's simple enough, obviously, every pub. But, you know, obviously through that, I get to photograph the interiors, get to photograph a lot of people. So, like, it's kind of humbling. The la- This time last year, I was actually in Leash and uh, Clonus Lee in Leash, and a lovely pub, uh, Mary Hickey's. And I was photographing a few of the older punters. And um, I only realized afterwards that they came down to get a photo taken. The owner drove them back home. So it was kind of a humbling moment where I was like, right, I actually have a bit of responsibility here. To capture these characters before you know yeah um they don't really get their photographs taken so that's really part of the work now is portraits as well so if I'll, by the end of the project it could take me another five years but i'll have hundreds hundreds of portraits of people as well mm. wow so that's the kind of and i presume there's a book in it as well there would have to be at the end of it all yeah i'd hope yeah i'd hope yeah. so <laughs> so it's let- a, like it's always a constant challenge mm. to get through the project so i'm always I- just planning Hit reset at the moment, so yeah. yeah. Is it full time, Gary, or are you sort of doing it at weekends and then going back home, or what's what's the story? No, it has to be full time, really. Um, people are like, "Oh, if you get a part time job, make it easier," but you really have to be in it every week, trying to get work and trying to f- uh, fund the work as well. So it's kind of it's always a challenge, but I kind of enjoy that part of it, you know. So I'm already kind of looking and planning Cork County because I've done Cork City, uh, Middleton, Yall. Kinsale, so I'm looking at Cork County now. It's obviously you've the most pubs down there, so um, <laughs> yeah. that'll be a challenge. <laughs> Ever since I arrived, apparently. Uh, what's what's your fa- <laughs> yeah. what's what's your favourite pub in the city? And I, I know you have to have more than one in Cork City. In Cork, yeah, I have a soft spot now for Cocklands. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Douglas Street, John Henchy's fantastic Victorian pub. Mm-hmm. Has like when I was I was down there for five weeks, living for five weeks down there. Um, I didn't get to really enjoy the nightlife, um, but I had an after, after couple of afternoon pints in John Hench's. It was lovely there on that top mm. of the hill. 
Um, and Jim Cashman's just the look of it looked great. You know, the oh, lights yeah, and the yeah. Murphy signage and everything. Yeah, so many great niche pubs, and uh, you know they're 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 landmarks. They're almost like pilgrimages. To, to yeah, usually I think it's spoiled for choice down there in yeah. Cork, um, and so many in lovely areas where it's busy. You know, mm-hmm. where you yeah. get to, you can sit out on a nice day and have a pint and. Yeah, and I think, you know, in fairness, I know a lot of people, particularly commuters, say that, you know, the streets are too narrow and that the, the, there's a one-way system that doesn't work and that there's nowhere to park. But that's the beauty of the pubs in Cork. I think they are, they're on little side streets, you know, where yeah, you won't I get think much it, traffic. Yeah, I think most cities are trying to accomplish that across the world. So, yeah, yeah I think that's a good thing. So, you're going to head out West Cork, are you? I'll be doing, I'm torn now, I have to plan for 2024 I'm tempted to do Cork County along the coast campsites I was looking at them today um, Cork campsites all along the coast mm-hmm. uh, down to west so you start in Yall around that area and just work along the coast for about it would probably take two or three months to do Cork County <laughs> I was going to say two or three years uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean you, you take somewhere as beautiful as Clannacilty I mean you could spend an entire yeah, weekend yeah. there, you know, some so many great great yeah. clubs and Skibbereen is the same. It's just it's wonderful. And how do you make money? Like I, do, you, do you mind sorry. me asking? How do you how do you survive on the road financially? <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes you, know, you barely do. Um, it's basically door to door. So like, if I I'll go and photograph, I'll photograph maybe twenty pubs and then I'll go door to door to each pub. So I'm going back and forth to the pubs as well. Right. Um, if I meet the owners, then I might do I do a job. So if I if I can photograph and work for two pubs, I'll photograph the areas pubs. Oh right, so it's okay. kind of like yeah. the pub the pubs that go for it and are interested kind of almost uh, fund the journey. So they fund the area as well. So I kind of that's kind of the beauty of it, I suppose, is that everybody's yeah. included. But I can you know I get work through that. Yeah, well, well, yeah, do you know something? I, I really, I really do hope that a book comes out of it because I think it would make a smashing book of photography and and also, as you say, the experience of people you meet and and the likes of the publicans who own many of these wonderful little, you know, these boutique pubs that like have never really changed over the years and hopefully they won't. Gary, great to talk to you this morning. Cheers! Thank you very much, Gary. Thanks Thank a you. Lot. Thank you very much. That's Gary Teeling. Look, look out for him because uh, he, it looks as if he will be spending a fair bit of time around Cork City, and uh, particularly Cork County in the months to come. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over thirty-five years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's ninety-six FM. Quark's 96FM wants to fill your Christmas with fun and play. The 10K Toy Giveaway is back. We're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees for free. Free. Listen to Quark's 96FM all day long from Monday, November 27th. For your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. To win. No Christmas. I love Christmas. Merry Christmas. Quark's 96FM's 10K Toy Giveaway. With your local credit union helping you have a wonderful Christmas. Listen and win from next Monday. I can't stop winning. Only on Cork's 96FM. Gareth O'Callaghan here for PJ, who's back with you tomorrow. Now, Gary Teeling's attempt to photograph every pub in Ireland. He's on the road and it's underway. How long it's going to take, I've no idea, but there's been a great reaction to it. Uh, Paul says, Cork has 955 pubs. Good luck to Gary with that one. What a dream job. Noel says, Guinness or maybe uh, Murphy's or one of the uh, drinks companies 
should sponsor them. That's a good idea. Although then are you exclusive for buying the, the product or whatever, you know, best kind of think about that one. And then lots of you suggesting uh, Mutton Lane is great. Tell him he has to visit there. He should also go to the Long Valley for a doorstep sandwich. Uh, Henchies, by the way, is in St. Luke's there, just at the V in the road. Uh, if you take a left, you're heading out towards um, Military Hill and that Henchy's there. Another wonderful location. Cork's homeless crisis has left many people on the streets. And you might have seen the many selfless people outside the old Savoy on Patrick Street on Wednesdays and Sundays nights. Giving a hand to those caught in the crisis. And they call themselves the Kindness Crew. And one of them is Rosalind Barrett. And she's on the line now. Morning to you, Rosalind. Good morning, Gareth. How are you? Very well, thank you. Um, it, it's a very difficult task to undertake. Um, is, I'm just wondering, is there much satisfaction in being able to give these people some solace and some warm food and that and some comfort? It is great satisfaction. Every Wednesday and Sunday night we come away happy because we can see that a hot meal makes an awful difference to somebody that's on the street. Even we have people that come from homes that have can't afford their food. So we feed them. They get a hot meal. They have a choice of hot food. They get a sandwich, uh, a chocolate, crisps, minerals, uh, tea, coffee, hot chocolate. The hot chocolate seemingly is better than Costa coffee because it has so many marshmallows on it and chocolate sprinkles on it. So they all go away happy. Mm-hmm. But some people only come, some people just come and have a chat with us. And that's all they want, to chat and a cup of tea. But it's so rewarding every week. And it's great that we get so many donations from people that help us to help the homeless and the vulnerable of this to see, you know what I mean? What do they talk to you about, Rosalind? Uh, loneliness. And not being able to afford... Uh, to feed themselves in the cost of living this this weather. Now a lot of, a lot of our cost, our clients are homeless, living in tents and sleeping in doorways. So that's what we feed mainly. You know, um, we give them dry clothes, we give them hot food, as I said, and the chat and the cup of tea and a bit of grub, and they're happy out. But they talk about everything: loneliness, yeah. addictions. Um, trying to get into home, homeless shelters that are completely full, that can only take so many a night. And what, so, kind, what kind of people are you seeing? Every person. Every person. That you, you, you'd see people walking down Patrick Street and you, would, you could see that they come to us on a Wednesday and Sunday night. From our, the Irish, Ukraine's, uh, the Polish, everything, everything. We have every nationality coming to us. It's very sad. Uh, we have families coming to us with children, which is horrendous, that are living in sheltered accommodation, that have no means of cooking for themselves. So we give them food. We give them as much food as we can give them, and we give them food for the kids' lunches and breakfast in the following morning. How young are the children? Uh, our youngest is eight. And on a regular how, yeah. on a regular basis. And how, on a regular basis. How long has the eight year old been living in sheltered accommodation with her family? About twelve months. At the moment they're couch surfing. Yeah. 
And have you so, have you talked to to, to the eight year old? What 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 does an eight year old think of not having somewhere like a home? Well, we never actually bring up the topic of not having a home with him. We just make him right. make him and his his mum and two sisters feel welcome. Right. And he loves coming in. The three of them love coming into us because we make it extra special for them. And they enjoy it. And in fairness to people that are, are homeless, they are very respectful to this family. You know what I mean? That there's never any trouble when they're there or that they're respectful. Mm. And they and they chat away to them like they're like nor, normal people. How, for for the homeless who I, I saw three individuals this morning when I was coming in Winthrop Street and up Patrick Street, yeah. and it was still pitch dark, and it was wet and cold. How do they deal with this sort of weather at this time of the year? They must they must get sick. They do, they do. They suffer desperately with their chests and chest infections and asthmas and all that. But you see. Um, the, the Simon community is only allowed so many at night. Mm. So if you're if you're not on the list, as as they say, you you have to sleep in the doorway. So they wrap up as much as they can and keep themselves warm. And are they are they hassled during the night? Um, sometimes they are. Um, but in fairness to a lot of them, they can fend for themselves. You know what I mean? Right. You have the people from the. They're coming from the nightclubs and late discos and whatever, and they, they do hassle them. But they try to ignore them as much as possible, mm. you know. And normally you'd be very unlucky if you were on your own. There's normally tiny twos or threes of the homeless that would stay together to protect one another, you know. Right, right. Well, congratulations. Um, you've, you've, and I'm, I'm delighted you've won the Volunteer Ireland Award, Rosalind. So well done to, to you and the, the crew. And um, Thank you. And it's just great to talk to you this morning. Thanks great. so much. Well, thank you very much, Gareth. You're very good. I that, appreciate thank you everything. So much. That's thank you. And uh, any donations that are uh-huh. people can donate to us are you know, we accept everything. So if anybody wants to donate to us, we're outside the Savoy every Wednesday and Sunday. So all donations are greatly appreciated. We don't refuse anything. That's great. Uh, all right. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, Gareth. Take Thank care. you. Thank Bye-bye. You. Have a nice that's day. Bye. Bye-bye. The Kindness Crew Homeless Group, by the way, it's made up of Jade. That's Rosalind who was chatting to me there. Claire, Sandra, Jess and Analu. Now, uh, Mary Lou MacDonald will be joining me after the break. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM. It's Gareth O'Callaghan here for PJ. He'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Now, Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou MacDonald is in Cork this morning for an event at the Clayton Silver Springs with Solar Ireland 2023. And we wanted to take the opportunity to catch up with her while she's on Leaside. Mary Lou MacDonald, good morning. Good morning, Gareth. And it is great to be Leaside. So I'm very happy to to have this chance to talk with you again. And you've, you brought the sunshine with you, which is wonderful as well. We haven't seen well, it for a few days. Know, I thought I thought it was appropriate, given that the subject matter is solar power, to uh, <laughs> to entice the sun out. Long may long may it stay with us. Very true, and uh, I take it uh, you'll you'll you're looking forward to having the sun on your back for the next twelve months. Judging by the opinion polls, uh, I, I take it I could be talking to the next leader of the country. 
Well, that will be very much in the hands of the people of the country. I mean, yes, we have we've grown very strongly, Gareth. We've we've worked very hard. We're going to keep working very hard. Um, and I hope uh, when the election comes, we'll go and we'll present ourselves and ask uh, people to give us a chance to demonstrate what we can do in government. And we'll make that ask in a spirit of humility and hard work. There's no no presumption on, on my part. I'm very grateful that uh, people in, in increasing numbers are hearing what we have to say, liking what we have to say and and increasingly uh, of the view that change is a healthy and a, and, a, and a good thing for Ireland and that that others beyond those who have always uh, had their places in government for more than 100 years, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, that somebody else would, would get a crack at it. But all of that will be will be debated out in the course uh, of a campaign. Of course, we'll have local and European elections in the summer. So that's that's probably... Uh, the first port of call in terms of the, the Irish electorate. And, and we'll come back to that in a moment. First of all, though, I, I want to ask you about your health. I'm delighted that you're over that difficult summer that you've come through. Yes, uh, I am. Uh, I, I, I'm good, Gareth. Thank you so much for asking. It was, uh, I had a, a tough old summer of it, but um, but I'm good now and I'm very pleased to be back at work and firing on all uh, cylinders. And to be honest with you, I consider myself very, very uh, lucky. Um, I'm very conscious of the fact that others have gone through much more testing and traumatic health journeys than me. I was lucky. I, I required a, I required a surgery. It was uh, a big surgery, but um, it went uh, very well. I recovered well. And uh, thank God I didn't require any further treatments or therapies. So, so that's been great. I'm, I'm also conscious, Gareth, because I've spoken about a little bit about this publicly, you know, hearing the stories from other women or even, you know, other women's husbands and partners and brothers and sisters telling their stories as well. So I hope that it has been helpful on some level and, and healthy to have this conversation um, out loud. It's, I, I think it's something that we need to build on. Yeah. Um, and can I also say, Gareth, to wish you likewise well, uh, in in your own uh, for your own health and and recovery, and I hope that you're that you're feeling good and feeling strong. Feeling good, Mary Lou. Thank you so much, and thank you for your your, your kind wishes there. And we are delighted you're well because uh, th- th- I think that the next twelve months certainly is 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 presenting a whole new horizon for the political landscape here. And I th- I think it's it's rather timely in that you opened this conversation, particularly about women's health. And I think yeah. a lot of women are now looking to you and at what you're proposing for what will basically be a whole new vista in terms of politics. Isn't that right? Yes, um, we want to firstly um, build on the things that we have gotten right. Um, and then we want to address in real and practical terms the things that have gone wrong for Irish society and your listeners will have heard me and my colleagues talk an awful lot about housing. Um, and that will be, Gareth, our number one priority in government will be to create an Ireland and a society in which everybody can have a reasonable, sustainable roof over their heads. I mean, I'm conscious that everywhere I go, 
I am meeting people who, if they're not experiencing what's called housing distress <clears throat> themselves, you know, an inability to pay the rent or mm-hmm. struggle to pay the rent or to buy a home. If it's not happening to them personally, then it's certainly a feature in their wider family, in their wider communities. And we're at a point now where the housing issue is now not just a social imperative, but it's also an economic one in terms of our ability to staff our schools and our hospitals to attract and keep investment here. So it really is, we need an all of society effort. So transformation in that area is long overdue. And I I think at this stage, having watched the current government fail and fail again, it it has become clear to me that the energy that Sinn Féin would bring to government, I think is going to be a necessary component of moving of moving that um, on. And then in wider societal terms, in terms of healthcare provision, childcare provision, we have the bones and the elements of, of getting things really, really right. But but what has been missing, in my opinion, ha- is the, the kind of fresh thinking and, and, and the energy that fresh legs, fresh eyes bring to to getting to getting government right. So I think this can be a really exciting period for Ireland challenging for sure. I mean I'm I'm here talking about renewable energy and um talking about solar power uh, in particular and this is a case in point where you know progress has been made but there's a real opportunity here for people in in our homes uh, and in our sporting clubs and our community organizations to be part of the energy revolution. And to save a few quid when we're at it, to take the sting out of our bills and to create a scenario where we have security of energy supply and ultimately energy independence for for Ireland, for the island. That would be a game changer mm. in terms of our pro- prosperity in our society. So I'm, I'm an optimist, Garrett. I, I, I always believe in best foot forward, you know, and, and getting things done. So I'm very excited by the prospect of this change having an opportunity to, to find expression at the heart of government. Well, can I just say, in, in your alternative budget for 2024-2025, in terms of housing, and making housing a, a realistic, poss- not just a possibility, but a probability for those who feel at this stage that unless there's a change, they won't ever be able to afford to buy a house. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. So why do you think the critics have been so critical about your the alternative Sinn Féin budget? Well, I, I suppose in fairness, you know, any anything that we put out there as as the leaders of the opposition has to be critiqued and analysed. I mean, I think that's a, a healthy thing. In a way, the, the, your critics can very often be your 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 best friend in as much as it forces you to test your propositions, to test your offering again and again. So, you know, I think I think that's a, a, a good thing. But to me, it is now just manifestly obvious that the uh, the approach being taken by this government hasn't worked, and let it be said by previous governments, and we need to step change. So everything from how procurement processes and planning processes work, those need to be disentangled, they need to be stepped up, resourced properly, and they need to have a level of pace. The, the, the lack of ambition and the lack of action in respect of new technologies you know, how we construct our houses 
is going to change, has to change, not least because of the, the climate emergency, but also for, for speed of, of construction. So there's a new era of that coming in. Some companies are working very hard on these technologies. But to be honest with you, they are very often being hindered rather than helped by government. I, I can't understand or explain that. And then the state itself needs to understand whoever is in government that in the first instance, the state needs to lead out in terms of public housing. So that's social housing, but it's also affordable housing to buy and affordable housing to rent. And that's the bit that I think consistent governments have really struggled with. Yes, we need private development and we need to assist that. But for a long time, Gareth, the, the, the state removed itself entirely off the pitch. And, and now here we are, and it has uh, resulted through all of the, the machinations of the last number of years in a scenario where, in reality, an entire generation are, are locked out of home ownership. They don't really believe that they're going to be able to afford to put together a deposit, not to mind to buy a, a home. And we have rents that are crazy and run away. Mm. And it, we've had a battle to get the government onto the ground of, of get, giving any easement to to renters. Um, and I've said consistently, my very strong belief, we need to put a month's rent back in each renter's po- pocket. But as you do that, you also need to put a stop to the gallop of rent increases. And there should be a halt for a period of three years. And I can't explain to you why government refuses to do that when it is obviously at this stage this an, a necessary thing to do to take the heat out of uh, rent inflation. And to be fair to everybody, to give working people and particularly younger people a chance and some kind of breathing room. Right, I, and I could t- talk more to you about that, but I've obviously got a couple of other topics I want to talk to you about as well. I- income tax. Um, your party's detractors are saying all the time that you're going to tax us to the hilt. Will that happen? No, it won't. Um, so, for example, for a very long time, Gareth, you, you and I are long enough around to remember when the whole controversy used to be around corporation tax and mm-hmm. what would Sinn Féin do? Just to say to your listeners, the issue of corporation tax is now a settled matter. There is uh, unanimity virtually, not just in Ireland, but internationally as to how that regime looks. So that's locked down and stable in terms of investment. In terms of income tax, uh, what we want to do is actually ease the burden on lower and middle income uh, uh, workers. There will be a slight increase for those on very high salaries. And when I say, I mean individual, let me stress individual incomes of €140,000 and more. It's a small cohort, a very lucky cohort, um, uh, a very hard-working cohort who we will ask to pay uh, a little bit uh, more. But the objective here isn't to cripple anyone with tax. The objective here is to bring relief where it's needed, is to create equity. And then very crucially, for those paying your taxes, that you actually see a return on it, that the citizen can say, I pay my tax and I see a return on it. So I don't see people lying on hospital trolleys. I don't see people sleeping in doorways. I am not put to the pin of my collar uh, paying what is essentially a second mortgage in childcare. So when you talk about taxation, you have to say, right, what are you raising? But equally, how are you investing and and how are you spending it? And actually in our pre-budget submission that you mentioned there, 
everybody earning less than 100,000 euro was actually better off under our proposals. We did stack it more in terms of low earnings. So in terms of the USC, we want to make changes at that low level, abolishing the first band, raising the, the threshold on the second, because we think that you have to, if, if you're given a payback to taxpayers, it doesn't make sense that it gets concentrated in higher earners. You have to make sure that it's spread equitably and that people on lower incomes and on middle incomes uh, become, in the first instance, the first winners, if you, if you like. Yeah, so with the USC, I mean, when Brian Cowan introduced the USC, he said it was a temporary tax measure and he said it he would did, eventually yeah. be got rid of. So why not get rid of it and why not then increase perhaps by one two digits tax at different levels of the of the tax bans getting higher as you move up through the scale the usc now brings in uh, revenues that are the equivalent of the entire education budget for the year right. see this is the thing when you when you introduce a new taxation measure it becomes baked into the kind of the revenue stream of the state and to just remove it in one fell swoop is is just hugely uh, problematic okay so mm-hmm. what we have what we have said is that you start at the start with this USC and certainly as it affects lower income and middle income groups that's where you make the first change and then as your economy deepens and expands and more people are at work and on better income levels and you create a virtuous circle of return for the state you can look in a graduated way uh, in terms of what you do with the USC. But Fine Gael, if you recall, at the last election, Leo and the others were holding posters, abolish the USC. That was deeply cynical of them. They had no intention of doing that, as we uh, as we saw later on, because they haven't done it. But equally, financially, had they been scrutinised correctly and asked, well, that leaves a big hole in your year-to-year budget, not one-off spending, but continuous spending, how are you going to fill that hole? They wouldn't have been able to answer that question. And as I say, it brings in revenues that are the equivalent of the entire education budget. So we want investment in education Mm. at every level, childcare um, that is accessible uh, and affordable to every uh, family, Um, investment in our education system at every level, right up into third and fourth level to give our kids and young people and our society the best knowledge base that we can. So with that in mind, we say, okay, relief at the low and middle level. Right. Um, But we we would not be proposing abolishing it overnight because it would be an irresponsible thing to do. Okay. Now, uh, the party has three seats uh, out of 18 here in Cork. Uh, Tommy Gould, Donegal Lira and Pat Buckley all have seats. Uh, 2020 was a huge turning point in the general election that year. And if I remember correctly, so many members of the Sinn Féin party said that if we had fielded more candidates, uh, it well, I, I suppose it, it was the stuff that dreams were made of. Isn't that the case? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was quite uh, quite uh, an election. Um, obviously, consequential to it, we, we lead the opposition for the first time. So it was a very, and I'm the first woman to, to do so. So, I mean, it was consequential in, in many, many ways. And yes, 
Um, with the benefit of hindsight, we could have, should have run more uh, candidates. As a matter of fact, Gareth, for months and months after that election, I couldn't walk the length of myself without being collared by somebody saying to me, oh, you didn't run enough candidates. Mm. And and just to say, uh, I won't make that mistake uh, again. Was that, um, was that because so, you yeah. didn't see the success coming? Like the, 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 There was a huge shift, and I witnessed it here in Cork, yeah. where very well-known yeah. well individuals who are in the eyes of many people, political icons, one of them was voted in on the sixth count, another was voted in on the eighth. I mean, uh, and and these are senior serving politicians. It's it it was seismic. And do you think now, next year, late next year, it could be the same? Uh, well, I hope so. I, I mean, all of the evidence that I'm that I'm seeing and hearing out on the ground is that uh, th this appetite for change really positive, progressive change is still very much alive and well. As a matter of fact, in my own opinion, it, the, the the appetite for change is actually something much bigger than Sinn Féin. I think we're probably at the, the cutting edge of it, but it's a much bigger societal uh, thing. And I think it, it's something that's long overdue and really healthy and, and, and really welcome. So I hope that that momentum will continue. But I also know that that momentum and enthusiasm and, you know, it, reaching for tomorrow, all of that energy uh, has to be matched with really strong policy uh, propositions, a real sense amongst the population of the direction of travel for people who might be looking at Sinn Féin and saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. And what will that mean that we, we need to be talking to people and, and, and giving a level of reassurance as well that the change is uh, is about progress it's about things that are positive. It's about, uh, you know, finding and winning opportunities. It's not about uh, being reckless or squandering the things that, that we have built up over over the years. So I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation at the next uh, election. And I'm, I'm hopeful that at the local and indeed the European elections that we'll have a, a much, much better day out in the summer than we had in 2019. Because don't forget, we had uh, a hard day out that day um I, it was my first my first i suppose big election as the the party leader mm -hmm. and it was a hard day for for Sinn Féin but you know i'm a great believer that when when things don't go your way that you knuckle down and you learn from them. You learn mm. the, the lessons and I, I hope that'll be demonstrable now when we go to the polls in the summer. Final question for you. Uh, United Ireland, if we get a 32 county United Ireland, will that bump Cork into third city position after Dublin and Belfast? <laughs> <laughs> well, now you're asking the hard one, Garth. I, honest to God, between Cork and Belfast, <laughs> I, I was as a dub, I'm always under pressure. And I, I, I have said to my colleagues, there is only one non-negotiable one non-negotiable on the table for Irish unity. Dublin is the capital. Of course, I get squeals of no way. I'd, so, I'd um, wait till you leave Cork before you say that today. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying this sotto voce, you know. Um, but look, yeah. uh, I think it's going to be, you see, this This is the big uh, the big um, challenge and the big opportunity, I think, of, of our time. And I, I certainly know that we will be heading into referendums, north and south. I, I know that... Uh, I'm determined that we get the institutions back up and running in the north. I believe that we can. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I very much hope that that now is in prospect. We've waited for 18 months. In a way, sometimes, you know, people at a 
bit of a distance from politics. All you hear sometimes are the bad stories or the points of conflict or contention. Mm. Just to say to people here in the real capital, in this rebel county, huge progress has been made in the north and increasing numbers of people see and understand that to grasp the big economic opportunities, the the opportunity of energy independence, of strong economic growth, of of social progress, all of this is best done on an all-island basis. So mm-hmm. I believe that we, we need a citizens' assembly. Now, I think we need to be talking to each other and people living here in Munster, in, in deep, deep south of the island, Irish unity is about all of Irish society. It's not just a question about the North. It's about Ireland in our entirety. Uh, and I think we, we need to grasp this opportunity with enthusiasm. And look, we will be in my opinion, and in my hope and aspiration, we will be the generation that democratically, peacefully, uh, and in an orderly fashion finishes the journey of Irish self-determination in a spirit of uh, friendship and uh, respect on our island and indeed uh, creating an ongoing, enduring relationship of friendship and respect with our next-door neighbours in Britain. We'll have to leave it there. Mary Lou MacDonald, lovely to talk to you and enjoy the day in Cork. Thanks so much, Gareth. Lovely, lovely talking to you. All the best. Take now. care. Slán Thanks lát. a lot. Slán lát. Slán Samuel. Today's show was edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thanks to Wayne on the desk. PJ's back in the morning from nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96.